Well, uh, Matthew 26, we have, we, we have been in Matthew 26, we were for quite a while, and, 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 and rightfully so, uh, because the book of Matthew is written by Matthew. Matthew was a, obviously, Levi's a, a Jewish name, he was a, a Jew, and he was a Jewish follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he was moved by the Holy Spirit to write what we call the Gospel of Matthew, he was writing, his primary audience was the Jewish people. But he was, he was as the Holy Spirit guided him, he was writing in such a way that his heart's desire was that the Jewish people would have an accurate and clear account of what happened and that they would see Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as their king, and in seeing him, that they would come to a place where they trusted and believed in him, and became, and we would call it, were saved, okay, and became followers of Christ. And so he is, he, he is meticulously laying out this, all, every, all these things as the Holy Spirit moves him. Last week, we ended with the Sanhedrin with Jesus before Caiaphas, and Caiaphas putting Jesus under oath and saying, are you, by oath, are you the son of God? And under oath, Jesus then bound to the truth and said, yes, I am. But then Jesus went up to Caiaphas and said, not only am I the son of God, but he said, I am the Jewish Messiah. And I am not only the Jewish Messiah, but I am now become your high priest. Well, with those words, Caiaphas tore his robes abdicating his uh, position that uh, he had at that place as a high chief then. And, and we see what happened. And he, he cried, what? we don't need any more true, uh, proof. This is blasphemy. This is blasphemy. The last part of 26 then dealt with Peter's denial of Christ as Christ was on trial there. And we didn't deal with it because I dealt with it several weeks ago when we talked about Peter. So I want to pick up this morning where we left off kind of last week with, with uh, chapter 27 because Jesus was on trial there at night and now the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious leaders, the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priest, when we get to chapter 27, it's breaking day. Daylight is, is coming. And, is it, and, and so they are... They are, they are, they are uh, sliding under the bar that was set for them. Then that they had to, if they heard a testimony in a capital case, that they were, by their law, were forbidden to make a decision on that case the same day they heard the testimony. Because they wanted, this was, this was a death penalty, it's carried death penalty. And so they were bound to sleep on it. Well, it's been a short night. And when we get to verse 1, it says, when the morning was come. So it's, it's breaking morning now. And the chief priests and the religious leaders say all that they, they gathered and they huddled together to put Jesus to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. Now, there's several things that Matthew wants us to be sure that we, that we don't miss, and we, and we can't miss this. In Matthew 26, you're right there, Matthew 26, verse 65, 
Just notice what was said here in verse 65. It says, then the high priest went towards close saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Because now we have heard this blasphemy. Remember, I told you Jesus had become a dual threat. One, he had become a threat to the religious system. Because he and, and sharing in te his teachings, in his healings, in his miracles, he was doing the things that the religious leaders were supposed to be doing but could not do. And so he became a threat to the religious leaders. And now the religious leaders are, are, are they're going to, they're, they're saying he, he needs to be killed because he's blasphemed. He's claimed to be the son of God. But he's also a dual threat. Remember, the other threat was that he had become a political hot potato. Okay? The Roman government, the Roman government now, Caesar has, has placed governors and people who rule over all the conquered places. And in, in Israel, in Galilee here, Pontius Pilate is the Roman governor. And uh, Pontius drew the short straw of trying to keep this rebellious, stubborn people quiet and calm to keep the, the peace of Rome over them. Boy, what a, what, a, what a clan that was. So the Jews now are going to, they're convinced Jesus has got to die for blasphemy. But the Jews cannot send Jesus to, to, to Pontius Pilate and say, we want him crucified because he's blasphemed. Why, Pontius would have laughed in their face. He could care less about the Jewish God. Caesar was supreme. And so what they do, what the Jewish leaders do now, is they change the charges when they send him to Pilate. Look, look with me in Luke chapter 23. Look at what happens. Look what Luke tells us. Luke says, and the whole multitude of arose, and, and they all have led him to Pilate. Here they go, all the Jewish leaders now. And they began to accuse him to Pilate, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to get we found him telling people they wasn't supposed to give their pay their taxes to Caesar and and we we found him guilty of he's trying to he's trying to to subvert and he's trying to establish rebellion and saying that he's king and they begin uh, as they as they said all this and they begin to accuse him before Pilate and bring the accusations political accusations and Pilate says to him are you really the king of the Jews? Now, why did they, why did they, you got, you got, you know, you got to preach. Matthew wants us to see, he's showing us, he's revealing the heart of these religious leaders. It ain't pretty, okay? He's, he's, he's revealing their motives. And so they, they now, and they, they're, Jesus is guilty of blasphemy. They're taking him to Pilate, but when they get to Pilate, they said, hey, hey, governor, listen, we, we, know, we know that you're, doing, you're trying your best to keep a, a, the peace here and uh, do a good job. But this man, is, this man is a, he's a threat to Rome. He's telling the people that they're not supposed to pay taxes. He's, leading a, he's a, the leader of a rebellious group and a mob. And, uh, we, and we just want you to know, we've got your back, Pontius Pilate. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to keep any of this rabble from, from, from causing any kind of problems to Rome. So we're bringing him to you. That was a bunch of crock, wasn't it? Uh, you know, that was, that was ridiculous. And so I'm thinking, why, why, did they, why did they put the political spin 
to this. We know that Rome, again, Rome would have laughed at him. But the Jewish leaders, if they just wanted him killed, I'm kind of thinking, why didn't they do something here kind of like what they did with Stephen in, in the book of Acts? It would be just a short while later. You know what happened there? They kind of got a mob stirred up. And then the Jewish leaders kind of just, just turned their eyes or turned away. And what happened is the mob stoned Stephen to death. So I'm thinking, well, why, you know, why didn't they just bring Jesus out and say, this guy's a blasphemer, and just kind of kick a few rocks, you know, and kick him over there and say, well, and come over here to talk and let the, work the mob up in and let him stone Jesus to death. Why did they not do that? Well, one of the reasons that they didn't do that is because I'm convinced they, they, wanted, to not, they wanted to humiliate Jesus. They wanted to discredit him. They wanted to make sure that anyone that would identify with him or had identified with him or was thinking about identifying with his teachings or with his leadings in the future would be greatly discouraged from doing that. They wanted to send a message. And after all, in their writings, in the book of Deuteronomy, the scrolls of Deuteronomy, they were told that anyone that was hanged on a tree was cursed. So these Jewish leaders wanted a good old Roman execution, a crucifixion. That's what they needed. And so that's what they bring him to Pilate for. But Matthew wants to be sure that the Jewish readers of this understand that it was their leaders, it was their religious leaders who are responsible. But he also wants us to know, and it also fulfills the part that when Rome, when Pilate, and we're gonna, we'll go through this later, not today, but as we go through this, but when the final, when the final, uh, he's turned over and said, you, you, you know, take him and crucify him, you crucify him. And when they, when they do that, that Jesus' death fulfilled a, Judicial, divine judicial requirement to pay the penalty for sin. A holy God could never tolerate sin. Matter of fact, scriptures tell us from, from Genesis when the, when the, when the, when the uh, command was given, if you eat of this tree in a day, you eat of it, you're going to die. From then on, and the, the soul that sinneth shall die. The wages of sin are death. And there is a divine judgment upon sin. And God cannot and will not wink or turn on a blind eye to sin. So when Jesus dies on the cross, he is paying in full the judicial requirement for the sin. For my sin and for your sin. That's why we could say when Jesus died on the cross, he died that humiliating, excruciating death that I should have died. It's not that he just died in my place. I should have been hung on the cross. You should have been hung on the cross. But he took my place. He took your place there. And Matthew wants us to be sure that we understand and see that. But then look with me, verse 3 says, then, and, and verse 3, verse 3 through verse 10, and that's going to be as far as we get this morning probably, uh, or this afternoon probably, or whatever it is. Uh, 
God, are you like I am? I believe that God does everything for a reason. I believe that God, I don't, I don't think God has ever said, oops. I don't think God has ever said, I messed up. Or I don't think God's ever said, my bad, my bad. So, so I, believe, I believe that when God, when God does something, he does it the right way, in the right time, his way. And so I think there's a, I think there's a really a, a reason, and, and I'm, I'm fig- trying to figure it out. I think, there's a, I, I think I know. I, there's a reason why the Holy Spirit would tell Matthew to lay alongside Peter's denial of Christ in, verse, in chapter 26 here. And again, there's no chapters when Matthew wrote it. He's just writing it. He's chronicling it. That when Peter denies him and when the, when the roosters crow and when Matthew, I mean, uh, and then when Peter goes out and repents. And now Matthew here, two verses later, two verses later, all of a sudden he, as he's writing and now the, the, the religious leaders are taking him to Pilate and he says, oh, by the way, and then he lays out Judas. And he lays out Judas' betrayal. And he lays out the chronicles, what happened there. And I think he wants us to lay these alongside each other and look at them. We'll do that a little bit, just a little bit later. But, but we've got to see this, all right? Then Judas, which had betrayed Jesus, verse 3 says, when he saw that Jesus was condemned, repented himself. And brought the 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priests and the elders. Now, it's interesting. First thing that stands out to me is, is look at this. And Jesus, I mean, Judas, it looks like he was kind of surprised when they convicted Jesus. When he saw they'd condemned, you know, they'd condemned him. Maybe, I don't know. Judas was a zealot. Maybe, maybe Judas was thinking he was going to force Jesus' hand. And so they were going to arrest him, but when they asked him, are you the son of God? And Jesus said, I am, and I'm the Messiah, and I'm the high priest. That just was a time Jesus was going to say, and by the way, I'm going to clean, I cleaned the temple twice. Now, get out. I'm going to set up my kingdom. And by the way, Rome, you better get back to Rome or I'll take care of you. But that didn't happen. I don't know. But what we do know is, is that all of a sudden, seeing what's taking place, Judas is now Sorry. This is interesting. King James says that when, when he thought Jesus was condemned, it says, repented himself. You see that? See that there? It's interesting. That word is very, very interesting. Because nowhere else best I could, could determine that the word, the Greek word that's used here where it says repented himself, I think a better translation of this word here is regretted. Because nowhere else and everywhere else in the New Testament that this Greek word is used, it's translated regretted. When Judas saw what happened, he regretted that he had been a part of what was going on. Now, why is that important? I think it's important for this reason. You've heard the expression of people being sorry that they got caught rather than sorry for what they've done. Yeah, you kind of heard that. And, 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 and people say, well, I'm sorry. And, and, and you wonder, are you sorry because I found out? Or are you sorry because, really sorry because you've done it? And it makes a big difference, right? Scripture talks about that there is a, a godly sorrow that works repentance. Peter, when Peter hears the, the rooster crow, and he real, real, reminded of Jesus and Peter, uh, Peter before that rooster crows a, a few times, you're going to deny me three times. Ain't no way. 
But when he hears and when he realizes what's happened, he is, he is, he's, con he's convicted. Scripture says that he goes out and he weeps bitterly. And, and we'll, again, we'll lay these two alongside each other. But here, Judas says, oh man, I've messed up. And I've messed up big time. And so we see him, he takes the 30 pieces of silver. This, this is kind of one of the things that leads me to think it wasn't about the money with Judas. Because he takes the money and he goes, look at verse, verse 4 and verse 5 are coming some of the two of the saddest verses in Scripture, in all of Scripture to me. Wow, look at this. Then Judas... When he, betrayed, when, he, when, he, when he betrayed him, when he saw that they was condemned, repent himself, brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. And he said, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Matthew, this is, this is important. Not only is it important that going to, to, to Pilate now, that he is, Jesus is going to fulfill all the judicial requirements of a divine law, but Matthew wants to be sure that his readers understand that Jesus was a perfectly innocent man. Scripture tells us we know. We, we know it because Scripture says he was sinless. He was tempted in every way we are with, without sin. But here is a, here is a guy, here is a witness if they would have cared to have listened to him. They brought in, remember they brought in all these false witnesses trying to get somebody to, that could try to pay somebody to, to get something that would stick so they could impeach. No, it's not so that they could, so they could condemn Jesus. And instead, here is Judas who has been with him for over three years. He is, he, he is, the, he is the first, Page calls this a primary source he is someone who has first-hand knowledge of what was said around the campfire. He has first-hand knowledge of what was done in the house where the man that was lame was healed. He was there when the miracles were performed. He was there when Jesus taught. He had first-hand knowledge, and now he realizes, man, there's not a thing. There's not, he's done none of these things. He is not guilty of anything. He's innocent. And Matthew wants to be sure that every reader understands that when Christ died on the cross, not only was he paying for the sins of the world, but he wants us to be sure that we understand he was not in any way paying for any wrong he had done. He was sinless. He was the sinless lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world for my sins and your sins. And what's so sad is when, when Judas, Judas, Judas comes to the relig his religious leaders, if you let me say it this way, these chief priests, they were his pastors. These scribes and Pharisees, they were his religious leaders. Now, how would you like to have a pastor like this? He comes to him and he said, man, I've I really, I've, I've messed up big time here. I've messed up. And listen, the guy I betrayed to you, he's completely innocent. You know and what they said? What's that, got, what's that got to do with this? You handle it. That's what they're saying. They said, and, and, and look what he said. And the chief priest took the piece of silver and said, it's not, I say, no, I'm back up. And he cast the, throw the, the silver down in the, in the temple, verse five, in the temple. And the part of it, anyway, verse four says, they said, what is that to us? You handle it. You handle it. He couldn't handle it. It was, 
his sin, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't make it right. Listen to me now. Listen to me. The sin in our life, the sin in your life, you can't make right by yourself. And I want to tell you, and when you come to religious leaders and the religious leaders, Matthew is revealing their motives. He's revealing their heart. They had what they wanted out of their transaction. They had Jesus now headed to, headed to execution. And they don't have time for him. They don't want to fool with him. That's his problem. It's his problem. When we try to fix the sin in our lives by human means, we'll always end up hopeless and helpless. Now, Judas goes and commits suicide. And let me just say this. Suicide never solves anything. And every family here at different times and by different degrees has been affected by it. I know that. I know that. And I know there's a big subject. And I know there's a lot of factors that need to be figured into that, those equations. And some of you, many of you, have been there. And I've been there. And I've been there to go get a teenage girl. And I've been asked to tell her that her dad's took his own life. And you try to make sense out of it. He was a good man. He was a good man. Never solves anything. Okay, I'm just not, just don't solve anything. So, Matthew wants us to know that Jesus' crucifixion met every judicial requirement to fulfill the divine sentence upon sin. He wants us to know without a doubt, but that Jesus was innocent. He was sinless. He was guiltless. And so he died a substitutionary death, not his own. Look now what happens. Again, the hypocrisy of the chief priest. Verse 6. And so now, the chief priest takes the silver, silver money and they got a problem. It's like a hot potato. Because they, and this, listen, this is, this is so hypocritical. And they say, it ain't right or it's not lawful. We can't to put this money back into the treasury because it's blood money. It's a price of blood. Now, basically what they're saying, it was okay. We would call it tithes. It's okay for them to take tithe money and to, and to pay um, uh, this Judas to betray this Jesus. But now, now he, he's giving it back to us. We can't put it back into the offering because it's dirty money. What made that money dirty? It's what you did with it. Yeah, but here, but here they, they, all of a sudden they become so pure, right? Oh, no, we can't do that. You know, it, we, it's, it's just not right. Don't you, don't sometimes you, you get, almost get choked over people that are so crooked talking about what's right and what's wrong, you know? We have God's, oh, well, I'm not, not going to go there. I can't, can't go there. But, but they got this problem. What are we going to do with the money? What are we going to do with the money? So, they, they huddle together, verse 7, and they decide to go by the potter's field to bury strangers in. 
And then as they say, this is a field, it's called the field of blood to this day. And this, this what they did was spoken of in the prophets. The, uh, uh, Jeremiah, he says here, Jeremiah, Zechariah chapter 11, uh, verse 11, 12, 13 in there. Zechariah talks about the 30 pieces of silver. And they buy this uh, cemetery where homeless people, we got a missionary here to the homeless a lot. And homeless people that died, rather than throwing them on the, the garbage pit and, and burning them with the trash, that now they can be buried in, in the potter's field. If, if somebody dies, they're a John Doe or a Jane Doe, they can bury them in the potter's field because it's a place for homeless people to be buried. I'm just stewing over this this week. I mean, sometimes I read I, these verses. That's why I'm saying I, I read these verses and sometimes, I, and, and sometimes I'm like, you know, I mean, what's going on? And then sometimes I'm just, sometimes I'm, I'm seeing, and we'll talk about what's going on though. Why is it going on? But I see, so I'm stewing over this, this is the money this week. And sometimes when I get like that, whoever's around me, and Barbie is a lot of the times, usually it sloshes over on Barbie and she has to kind of talk me off the ledge. And, 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 and this week I'm, I'm, I'm in there and I'm, I'm just, I just, oh! and uh, I was talking about this money and, and their hot potato, what are they going to do with it? And then buying a piece of ground to bury it. And Jackie was the one sloshed over on. And she said, Jackie, Jackie said, Jerry, could you imagine Though every time they walked by this cemetery, it was a reminder. We bought that with that money. That was the money that betrayed Jesus. Every time it would have been a reminder. That was just a thought. Okay. All right. They buy this piece of ground. Now I want you to know, finally I want you to know something right here. It says, and they, and they gave, at verse 10, and it, if verse... Uh, 9 and verse 10 is, is the pro- prophecy, Old Testament prophecy. Verse 10, f- completing that and gave them for the potter's field. As, but look at the last phrase of verse 10. Matthew, again, God is intentional. God says, as the Lord appointed me, has been appointed. You see, in, 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 in doing this, Matthew wants to be sure that we understand that Jesus, in the judicial death that the Romans would, would sentence and carry out, that that was meeting all the requirements and the bands of, of the holy divine courts. He also wanted us to know, in, in Judas throwing the money down and saying he's innocent, he also wanted to be sure that we understood and knew that Jesus was totally innocent. But here, this last phrase, Matthew is saying something that ties those two together and ties all this together in such a way that we cannot miss it. Because he wants us to understand that Jesus' death, now listen to me, Jesus' crucifixion and Jesus' death was not just a bad miscarriage of justice by man. It wasn't just that. But he wants us to see that what was happening would fit into the total picture of God's plan for the redemption of you and me and mankind. That's what Matthew says when Matthew says, hey, it's fulfilling the prophecy just as God said it would. This redemption, this plan that Jesus is completing, he wants us to know and to understand. And in knowing and understanding, 
He is wanting us to see that we, unlike Jesus, don't have to go to, to someone to try to make it right or try to make it right ourselves. But we can, we can fall down at Jesus' feet and we can experience his forgiveness at the song that Adam sung. We experience that forgiveness. Chains fall off. We are free. And in experiencing that, we receive his forgiveness. And in receiving forgiveness from him, we have hope, we have purpose, we have the peace that passes all explanation. We who have sinned, we who have messed up big time, we who are alien from God, we who should have died on the cross, we have now not that, but we have the righteousness of Christ and we have the relationship with a heavenly father who loves us and says, hey, I got you. You're mine. Walk with me. Learn of me. Rest in me. Trust in me. Follow me all the way home. That's what we have in Christ. And Matthew wants to be sure that we know that. I've got to stop preaching. It's time to do a wedding. <laughs> Listen this morning. I hope, I, I read this, man, I've, I've been reading these verses over and over and over again for the last several, last good period of time. And um, the more I read them, the more I'm amazed at just how much he loved me. He would do this for me. He would do it for you. Barbie knows more about me than any other person in the world. She loves me most of the time. Well, she loves me all the time. She likes me most of the time. Knowing all that about me. And, uh, and that's amazing. I try to tell her every day that I love her. Sometimes I do it more than once a day. But listen, Jesus knows everything about me. Everything. And he loves me. He loves you, Luis. He loves you, Melanie. Loves you, Anise. He loves you. If you know him, you've been saved and you've asked his and you're experiencing his forgiveness, that is reason to rejoice and get plum excited. You know, it really is. But you, I understand, and I know you may be here this morning and, and you, may, you may know a lot about him, but maybe you're here and you've never asked him to be your savior. Maybe you're here and you're trying to fix all those things in your life by yourself. You can't do it. You'll wear yourself out and you'll get nowhere. He did it for you. Once you come to him, let him put his arms around you and rest in him. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we, as we just look at your word, is so awesome. Your word is so eternal. It's timeless. It's, it's, it's treasure beyond the greatest that could ever be discovered by man. It's the truth of your word. And the, and the gospel that's in the word for me and for each of us. And we thank you for that. Father, this morning, it's my prayer that those that know you, love you even more after we've been through this verses together and realize even maybe a little bit more your depth of your love for them. 
It's my prayer, Lord, that any that would be here that have never, are, are not experiencing this relationship with you, that comes with walking to you, that as we've followed your word and followed what you've directed Matthew this morning, that we would allow that same truth to lead us to a relationship, a saving relationship with you right now. And if that's you, I pray that right now, right where you sit, you can come to the altar if you'd wish, or right where you sit, either one, you can just you just say, God, that's me. Lord, I'm, I'm desperate. I'm like Judas, Lord, and I'm trying to fix where I've messed up and I can't. And Lord, I need to come to you and I want to do that right now. Forgive me. Come into my life. You can have me what's left. 